This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Crescent Global Commercial Real Estate Advisors in Tysons, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, William Tidwell, Cressa, Gabe Muller, Muller Consulting, and John Schuhart, Graybeard Coaching. John, could you give us a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? Our first guest is Jeff Ostenso, CEO of Iron Mark USA. Our second guest is David Simnick, CEO and co-founder of Soapbox. Our third guest is Vivek Mehta, co-founder and CEO of AR Inspect. And our last guest is Venkata Mulpuri, CEO of Curie Learning. Excellent. Let's get to know our first guest, who is Jeff Ostenso, CEO of Iron Mark USA. Jeff, what is Iron Mark USA? What are you guys doing? Uh, we're a commercial printing company in um, the Washington, D.C. area. And how large or how small are you guys? Uh, we have 162 employees. Um, where are you from originally? Uh, Southern Maryland. I grew up in Calvert County. Mm-hmm. And how many brothers and sisters? I've got one older brother. One older brother. And tell us, how young were you when you started making money, and what were you doing, and whose idea was it? Um, I was 10 years old. I took over a uh, newspaper route mm-hmm. in uh, our community. Whose idea was it? Um, it was my idea to had opportunity to take over the route, so I um, mm-hmm. wanted to earn some extra money, so I decided to mm-hmm. take it over. I understand your dad was in the printing business as well. How young were you when you started to go to work with your dad? I was 14 years old. Uh-huh. Uh, worked there part-time in the summer. And, um, you know, most of the other kids were outside playing. Didn't it sort of like, wasn't it sort of painful having to go to work with your dad when your friends are outside playing? Um, not really. I, it was... Uh, periodical I would go in with him on uh, the weekends. Did you enjoy to, uh, going in with your dad? Did you enjoy going in with your dad? I did. What did you enjoy about going in with your dad on the weekends? I enjoyed watching how he interacted with the employees. Uh, they all re- seemed to respect him. And what do you, he, what do you he, remember about that period of time about watching your dad with the team? Um, just the way he interacted with employees. The employees really uh, looked up to him, spoke highly of him. Mm-hmm. Jim? So you mentioned that you had a job uh, as a paper boy making extra money. So what was your intent there? Why were you wanting to make extra money? Uh, really just for savings. I wanted to go as always to build up my, my little savings account. So most kids at that age want to go out and get candy or, or buy something with it. Why was it important for you to save money? Um, you know, I always wanted to have, uh, if I ever wanted to buy something, I could. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a, a pretty conservative guy, so I just wanted to have money in the bank. So you were pretty young when you started doing that. How does that apply to what you're doing today? How do you bring that to work? Uh, I don't like owing people money, so I always like to build up my savings and uh, be able to uh, pay Jeff, for what I buy. Do you have the nicest car in the parking lot? Give the nicest car in the parking lot? I drive a nice car, yes. Uh-huh. All right. I just wanted to make sure. And uh, let's see. Gabe, what's, what are you thinking? Jeff, there was something in 1992 that occurred. Um, it seemed to be a pretty substantial time in your life. What, what occurred then? Yeah, our, uh, my goal was to uh, break a million dollars in revenue, and that was the year we uh, broke a million dollars in revenue for What'd our company. What did that mean to you? 
That was a pretty big milestone. Um, it was a, a benchmark that I set, and uh, once we got to that benchmark, we uh, set the benchmark to three million. Where are you at now? Uh, we'll do just under forty million this year. Fantastic. So your nature—it's—it's it's not necessarily to be satisfied. It's to constantly be raising the bar. Is that—is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, you know, my father always uh, told me the sky's the limit, and uh, yeah, we we set certain milestones for our companies, and once we reach them, we set it to another level. Uh huh. William. Yeah, you mentioned that your father had a big influence on you. Um, you know, as a kid, it seems like your parents and, and, and your friends typically have the greatest influence. You mentioned uh, early in the green room earlier that you played a lot of sports. Uh, what were your role on those teams? What personality trait did you bring to it? And how does that help you in business today? Yeah, I, I did. I played uh, baseball, football, soccer. I uh, really enjoyed baseball, I guess, the most. Um, I was the catcher for our team. Um, you know, I was always encouraging um, whether we were winning or losing, trying to pick up uh, the guys that were not um, maybe made a mistake on the team, try to encourage them to do better. Um, you know, we were there to win, and uh, I was always encouraging the team to, to be the best they can. Uh -huh. What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays, your role as the uh, catcher back then and your, uh, your role nowadays as the uh, CEO of Ironmark? Um, you know, what I enjoy about the um, being CEO is creating opportunity for people, you know, watching people grow. Mm -hmm. All righty. Let's see. We've got Andrea. What are you thinking? Jeff, are you married? I am married my high school sweetheart uh, wow. for 27 years. 27 years. And do you have children together? I do have three kids. Three kids. Any of them in the business with you? Uh, none of them are in the business. They all went to college and uh, kind of encourage them to do their own thing. Uh, I try to get our kids to... Um, go have a job work for somebody else before they actually come into the business why is that important to you um you know i just think they uh, not to hand uh, the kids something they if they choose to come into the business they've got to start and uh, work their way up is that is that what you did i, I did started out driving the uh, truck got it and what does raising a family have to do with ra raising your business or running your business um, it's, i'm always uh, encouraged when we have uh, company picnics to be able to uh, see other people's husbands, wives, and their children. Uh, it really makes me realize how, uh, you know, we have 162 employees. Um, the mouths we feed are probably greater than 600. Wow. So you really think about that stuff. You really think about the influence you're having and the responsibility you have on the community. Yeah, you know, you look at uh, an individual employee on a daily basis, you really don't realize beyond that person, you know, their personal lives and, and uh what they're going through and, and how important the job is to them and really mm -hmm. creating that opportunity is uh, super important for mm -hmm. them. John? So you mentioned before the show that you didn't go to college. How, you must be pretty satisfied uh, running a $40 million a year company and didn't go to college. Um, yeah, my father instilled in me, you know, it takes people, good people around you to be successful, uh, create opportunity for people. He also... Um, taught me how to read financial statements early on in my career and uh, I was always I enjoy the game of business so I, I'm curious what do you know about running a company that uh, MBA students or kids coming out of business school don't know I you know, think in business uh, common sense plays a lot of, a big role in day-to-day in -day activity uh, you treat people how you want to be treated I always try to put myself in other people's shoes and uh, try to see their perspective from their part uh, yep. If they win, we all win. Uh, you know, since you got here before the show, you haven't stopped smiling. What's the secret to happiness? Uh, yeah, I've always smiled as a kid. Uh, I had a great um, childhood. 
I've had great opportunity in my life. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I enjoy what I do. Uh, I've got a great wife and uh, kids, and um, I think all that plays a big part. You're but I've always smiled. You mentioned <laughs> earlier that you grew the company organically, but you also grew it through acquisition. But you never went to college. How did you learn these sophisticated acquisition skills? Um, again, it's, it, you look for a win-win. Um, a lot of times uh, we've, we've uh, acquired 16 companies over my career. I uh, always try to put myself in the other person's shoes, and I am um, honest with them uh, to say, look, I want it to be a good for you, good for me. Uh, try to find a common ground. Um, and out of the 16 acquisitions, uh, 13 of the principals still work for us today in the company at one capacity or another. What? That's unheard of, because typically with an acquisition, the founder goes away. Why would they stick around? We created a pretty uh, dynamic company that's just not a, your normal commercial print shop. We have a lot of uh, what I call spokes in the wheel that make up Iron Mark, and uh, they know we're aggressive. They're all entrepreneurs, and that's what we, we look for is an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, we They have a lot of input in the direction of our company. It's not just myself that runs the company. We have a executive team that uh, plays a big role in that. So you're uh, you're not you're comfortable uh, building the team. Is that is that the catcher coming out in you? You know I think so. It, it is a, a team that creates, and it is a, a people that make the company successful. Uh, having good people um, over the years, being around good people, uh -huh. uh, has made my job a lot easier. Uh huh. Who, next question. Who's got I, it? I have a question. Mm -hmm. You're in a paper business, but I've been told that everybody's moving away from paper. We're all technology-based. Nobody wants something in print. H how, are you, how are you doing this? Um, it, the paper is the deliverable. Uh, what's printed on that sheet of paper is a little different these days. You have uh, QR codes, URLs that people can log on to, and, and it's about data. Uh, we are tracking when you type a URL code and log on, we're tracking where you go. Uh, we're collecting data on our consumers. So you don't listen to what everybody else says. You stay the course. You're innovative. and, and Yeah, and it, it's uh, we probably have eight products that make up uh, that our customers can buy from us. And uh, through these acquisitions, we bought companies in specific niches. We bought a sign company. We bought an ad agency. We bought a digital marketing company. Um, certainly things that are outside my scope of expertise. Um, but the head of those companies come on board, and they are entrepreneurial, and uh, they help us sell those products to our sales team mm -hmm. and our customers. Fascinating. Um, what, what's the website address for your organization? It is ironmarkusa.com. Let me have that one more time. ironmarkusa.com. We've been speaking with Jeff Ostenzo, CEO of Ironmark USA, here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. And your name and organization is? Ramal Morland with M&T Bank. And what's your role at M&T Bank? I manage a team of uh, commercial bankers who uh, serve Northern Virginia. All righty. And where are you from originally? Detroit, Michigan. And I understand when you were about eight years old, you moved to uh, the West Coast? Moved to Los Angeles with my mother. So what was it like moving from uh, Detroit to the West Coast when you were eight years old? Uh, the year was 1988, and Detroit was uh, already impoverished in a, in a blue-collar city. Moving to West Los Angeles was uh, very different. Uh, socioeconomically, um, the racial makeup of it, um, and the weather were uh -huh. all very different. So you moved from one environment where you were comfortable to a, a relatively different kind of environment. How do you think that helps you in your role at M&T Bank? Uh, I think every interaction with the client is a different environment. Um, 
it helped me understand how to adapt to situations and, and appreciate what different people bring to the table and different perspectives. So your, your role at M&T Bank, talking to these businesses, you're really getting an understanding of the people as opposed to just the numbers. Am I correct about that? Every business is a collection of people serving a common goal. So you're getting a feel for the people, and then the, when, when it comes time to make a loan, you're going back to loan committing, you're able to give your feelings about the people as well as the numbers. Yeah, that's right. We have to advocate for our clients, and so it's, it's in, in, imperative that we get to know the people and uh, uh, who the people are behind the business. So you develop personal relationships with some of your clients, don't you? If it works right, we do develop personal relationships with every client. Uh-huh. What's the, uh, what's the website address for this organization known as M&T Bank? MTB.com. Let me have that one more time. MTB.com. MTB. And your name again is? Ramal Moreland. Ramal Moreland, Vice President of M&T Bank here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment. And your name and organization is? Jay, and I'm with Curie Learning. And what is your role with Curry Learning Centers? I, I'm the franchise manager helping them build their franchise business. And where are you from originally? I'm from South India, Bangalore. Bangalore, India. And tell us a little bit, what was going on with you 8 to 14 that would give us any indicator of who you are nowadays? Apart from being a good student, I was working for the school, organizing different fairs where we used to raise funds for the school. You were organizing fairs for the school to raise funds. Tell us a little bit more about your role in all that. Uh, basically, for you know, for extracurricular activities, schools always used to fall short of funds. So we used to have different uh, festivals where we used to have stalls and invite parents and relatives uh, of the students who used to come, and we used to have different activities where because of which we used to raise funds. So, what, and your role in that was to help organize these activities? Yes, I used to organize these all activities. I used to sell the space, stall spaces for outside vendors too. So your nature is to go ahead and promote and to organize and to help get the point across. What's that have to do with your role at Curry Learning Centers? Uh, in fact, uh, that helps me a lot with Curie because I am talking to people who want to build a career in the field of education, uh, get telling them about the value that Curie adds to the students and the philosophy of Curie of bringing the best out of the child. So you're trying to communicate just like you were with the school fairs to raise funds, the real purpose of the organization so that in that case it was to raise funds for the school. And nowadays it's to help a franchisee realize the benefit of getting involved with the franchisor. Am I right about that? Yes, you're right. What, what's the website address of your organization? It's curielearning.com. How do you spell that? It's C-U-R-I-E-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. And your name again is? It's Jay. And your website address one last time? CurieLearning.com. We've been speaking with Jay John, Director of Marketing, Curry Learning Centers here on Executive Leaders Radio. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce David Simnick, CEO and co-founder of Soapbox. David, what is Soapbox? What are you guys doing? We are a mission-driven personal care company. And give us an idea of how many different locations you're distributed in. So we sell shampoo, conditioner, body wash in over 100,000 points of distribution throughout the United States and Canada. Wow. And where are you from originally? Chicagoland. How many brothers and sisters? Two older brothers. And what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? Oh, man. Uh, loved just taking on leadership roles in various different clubs, trying to find different ways to sell more products to my friends. What kind of, what kind of clubs were you involved with? Uh, all the nerdy ones. Like what? 
AV club, student government, youth and government, junior states of America. There's kind of a trend. So you were involved with a lot of different groups, and, and, and you say you tried to, what was your role in those groups? What was the personality trait you brought to the party there? Tried to lead. You tried to lead them, huh? And uh, you mentioned something else was going on in your childhood. What was, uh, was he had a little bit of a medical issue there? What was that? Well, so I had a speech impediment, uh, and I really couldn't enunciate my R's and S's. Uh-huh. And didn't you, how'd that make you feel back then? Uh, misunderstood. What are you talking about? Tell me more about that feeling. Uh, the confused and perplexed faces that I would get from friends or fellow classmates or teachers. They would look confused and perplexed. How would that make you feel? Uh, either left out or ostracized or just not really being able to fit in. How's that affecting the build of this business known as Soapbox, which is in 100,000 stores? Uh, so our whole mission is that every time someone buys one of our products, we donate a bar of soap to local homeless shelters for food pantries, or we have the pleasure and privilege of working in 60 countries around the world. So for us, it's, it's about taking care of those who also have been left out. So you uh, do you think there's a correlation between your speech impediment and the growth of this business? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay, John. In addition to those uh, various uh, clubs, you mentioned you're a Boy Scout. What was the best thing about Boy Scouts? Oh, man. Uh, I, think, I think each troop is different, but our troop really allowed uh, for the boys to lead, and we failed all the time. And having that controlled environment where we were able to, to really experience that fail, failure and learn from that failure was just a, an amazing teacher. What did you do different than the other Boy Scouts? Uh, failed more often. <laughs> and what do you think you learned from that failure that shows up today at Soapbox? I would say that Boy Scouts, when you assume that type of leadership, allows you to experience what it feels like to make mistakes. Uh, and you grow from them, and you realize that those mistakes aren't going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what rank did you attain in Boy Scouts? Oh, I was an uh, Eagle Scout, and then I loved it so much I kept on getting more merit badges, so they have this thing called Palms. Uh, I was I was definitely a nerd. So, okay, so a nerdy Boy Scout. How does, what does an Eagle Scout bring to the table as a CEO of a company? I think, I think one of the greatest things that, that I've seen in terms of fellow Eagle Scouts that are entrepreneurs is um, a sense of character and a sense of integrity. Perfect, Gabe. David, switching gears here for a second. Uh, in the green, green Room, you mentioned that you have two older b- brothers uh, and one in, in which had a heart issue. Can you explain what occurred there and what you learned from it? Absolutely. Uh, so I have, I have two massive older brothers. Uh, one of them played uh, defensive line for Illinois State. Uh, and uh, basically, he had a chest issue where it had compression on his heart, and he had to have surgery on it in high school. And he turned that really misfortune and event uh, that was no fault of his own into just this incredibly inspiring story of not giving up. So how has that uh, affected you in, in Soapbox? You know, I, I, what was really interesting is because he had to get every rib broken in order to restructure his chest, uh, there were a lot of people who wrote him off and said that he couldn't play football anymore. And through sheer hard work, he came back and got a full ride scholarship. And how's that affecting you nowadays? Uh, time and time again, when I want to give up, I I remind myself of a brother who didn't. William? Talk about mom and dad a little bit. What do they teach you that you bring to work every day? You know, it's 
my mom and dad are just phenomenal individuals. Uh, and to bring a little levity to, levity to this, uh, my dad's about six inches shorter than my mom. So I think determination and, and shooting for the fences, <laughs> uh, my dad's side. Uh, and my mom is just an incredible caring individual who uh, time and time again just shows me what kindness and earnesty can do. Mm-hmm. Jim? So you mentioned that you like to take calculated risk. Where does that come from? Uh, I, th- I think, so my mom is a huge extrovert and she always is a planner and she, she wants to go bigger and, and, and do things better. Uh, I think my dad is always mulling things over, always thinking how things can be better. Uh, and I think that that combination is where both the risk and the calculated aspects come from. Mm-hmm. And you started selling pretty early? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I wanted to start selling candy to my friends uh, at the ripe age of eight years old and uh, fostered and empowered by my mom. Um, basically, we would drive out to Sam's Club. I'd figure out what the price is, figure out how much I can market up, and then started schlepping candy. So you had that entrepreneurial spirit pretty young. Yeah, it it was pretty innate. Mm-hmm. Andrea. I want to go back to uh, the speech impediment, and, and the way you phrased it is that you were misunderstood. You, you didn't tell us it was a problem how did you how did you um come up with that did did somebody teach you that uh we so my my mom did a phenomenal job of helping me get into um the public school that we had uh had a pathologist or a speech pathologist um so i started meeting with miss mackenbrock and she just had a fundamental impact in my life in terms of uh if you work hard enough if you focus uh on uh what you need to improve upon you can leverage your strengths in order to overcome those weaknesses. And, you know, I, I do that every day. I know that I'm not, you know, perfect in everything. And I definitely know that I don't have absolute control over uh, everything that runs in our business. But I know that by surrounding yourself with amazing people, you can achieve outstanding objectives. And how did that play into finding your own path as a kid? Because you've mentioned your brothers were the big, strong guys and you couldn't compete. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, well, uh, you know you're going to lose a fight, <laughs> but uh, it's it's all about you know getting a couple good punches. And but I think I think ultimately uh, not giving up, like understanding that uh, this momentarily uh, might be a setback, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's absolute failure. Uh, and just consistently reapproaching the problem until you're able to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And how does that play into selling soaps and shampoos and changing the world today? Oh, man. Uh, we've changed our branding multiple times. Uh, we, you know, it, it feels awful when you get rejected by the market. Um, but I think ultimately knowing that you're on to something uh, because enough customers believe in you just means that you have to continue to adapt and evolve the product offering so that uh, even more customers fall in love with the product and the mission and the brand. William? Talk about that mission for a minute. Uh, you sell a product, you donate a bar of soap. Is it just great marketing? No, uh, you know, it's, uh, we started first and foremost for the mission. Uh, so my background is I used to be a subcontractor for the United States Agency for International Development. We started with the mission first. We were actually thinking about being a non-for-profit. Uh, and then one of our friends who was in law school was like, you're selling like a business, you're walking like a business, you're talking like a business, you're gonna get sued if you're a non-for-profit, just be a, a mission-driven business. So for us, uh, we started with the mission first, and then we had to figure out how to go up against P&G and Unilever and Colgate and, you know, these small little companies. <laughs> so I think, the, I think the thing for us has been uh, how do you make an amazing product at the same price on the same shelf in massive major retailers and win through having a better product offering? 
John, what's your next mission? Hmm. We uh, so we acquired another company last year. Uh, we're launching our third brand uh, in about two weeks, and I think we're taking uh, nine years of consumer experience. Um, we're getting really aggressive about. Uh, creating products that people love and then attaching those to missions to take care of those who are often forgotten in society. So in spite of the fact you're on a, you're in 100,000 stores, you're not stopping, are you? No, no, not until I'm six feet under. Really? You, 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 do you see yourself retiring someday? No. Why? I love this. Love what? This. What's this? Uh, I, I get excited about challenges. Um, I guess you could say I'm a challenge junkie. Uh, but I, I, I think it's, it's fascinating, especially in consumer, that uh, you have to deal with so many different stakeholders in order to have a successful product launch. What's the website brand. address for Soapbox? It is SoapboxSoaps.com. Let me have that one more time. SoapboxSoaps.com. We've been speaking with David Simnick, who's the CEO and co-founder of Soapbox here on Executive News Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus and how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did, you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. 
What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Vivek Mehta, co-founder and CEO of AR Inspect. Vivek, what is AR Inspect? What are you guys doing? We help protect people from identifying and predicting potential threats. And uh, how do you go about doing that? We make use of data in the simplest form to predict what may be. Imagine uh, predicting Flint, Michigan water crisis before it happens. Alrighty. How large or how small is this organization? We have 25 employees. And how'd you get a job with this company? I co-founded it. And where are you from originally? A small town in Gujarat, India. In India. All right. How many brothers and sisters? I have two older sisters. Two older sisters. And what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? How were you spending your time? I attended public school, so there weren't many opportunities. Public schooling in India was very basic back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did play uh, the only sport that the Indian played at the time, which is cricket. Mm -hmm. And what was your role on the team? I was the opening hitter, uh, batsman, they call it in cricket. And What what was the personality trait you brought to that role? Basically, the openers are supposed to set the pace for the match that dictates how the rest of the innings will go. So I was... What's your role? What's that have to do with... What's setting the pace have to do with your role as co-founder and CEO of AR Inspect? Is there a connection there? Uh, Yes. So the opener traditionally in cricket, they play conservatively and they, they play to to make sure that you are in there for the long game. And I think I've definitely brought that into finding the company to building it and now growing it. Alrighty, Jim, what do you think? So you mentioned that you were in public school, not a lot of opportunities. What did you do with your time? Uh, I did a lot of volunteer work with my mom and my grandfather at the time. So volunteer work doesn't sound like a lot of fun as a kid. Why were you doing volunteer work? It definitely was not. In the, very, in the beginning, it was definitely enforced by my mom and my grandfather as something that we must do. Uh, it was one of the lessons that they were trying to teach me. And in the beginning, honestly, I was definitely, I'm like, why do I have to go do this? Why am I not playing cricket outside, which I'd love to do. But over time, I think as I... I started doing it more and more, walking in there and looking at that people's faces. We basically volunteered at the adult center and how thankful they were. I've never felt such satisfaction before that point. So do you still have a passion for helping people and volunteering? Absolutely. In fact, that's at the center of Air Inspect's mission. In what way? We help protect people from, just like I mentioned, Flint, Michigan, 8,000 kids whose life will never be the same. Imagine if we can predict that, and you can, if, even if we can protect one kid from getting lead poisoning, let alone 8,000, 8, I think we, we're doing something good. Gabe? So in the green room, you mentioned that uh, you have uh, two sisters, one of which you followed here to the United States. What's the most impactful thing that you've learned from your sisters, and how does that apply to your life now? So both my older sisters, I think they babied me. They even spoiled me a little bit. Uh, But one thing that was constant that I noticed them doing was uh, being the rock of the family and pulling the family together to achieve various goals, whether it's a simple vacation or whether it's rallying up to go volunteer. 
Um, sure. I definitely learned that from them. And you also mentioned that uh, you are the only son of the family. So uh, what does that mean to you? And, and how does that impact the rest of the family and, and what you do now yeah. as well? So India, in India, culturally, as a child, that meant I got to be spoiled uh, by two older sisters. But as, as an adult, that meant I had the responsibility of the entire family. So now uh, you mentioned spoiled. So who are you spoiling now? My 70-year-old daughter, the mm-hmm. same way I was spoiled. You also mentioned that when you came from India to the United States, um, you went through a shift. Tell us a little bit about that shift. Yeah, so uh, like I said, I attended public schooling. I didn't know English. I didn't know the language, so that was one of the biggest shifts. I think the second shift was I had two sisters who did pretty much everything for them. I came here, I was like, oh my God, what? I have to do my own laundry? So learning the language, learning how to be independent. Um, at the same time, that was my first job. At age 17, I started working at Home Depot. That was my first paycheck. Hmm. So um, what did you do different at Home Depot than everybody else that worked there? I was a uh, cashier uh-huh. at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, and that not only helped me learn the language really fast, but at the same time, uh, made me understand the importance of uh, how valuable the customers are. How valuable the customers are, William? Yeah, um, it seems that there's clearly a, a giant cultural divide, right, from India to the U.S. You played cricket, you don't see a lot of cricket here. Um, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges, not understanding English, etc. cetera. Um, what were some of the other challenges and, and what were you able to bring with you that helps you in your business today from India? So growing up, like I said, the lots of volunteer work and genuine care uh, for people is something I've got from my mom. Uh, and, and, and from my dad's side, he was always hardworking. As a government employee, he worked day and night. He had night shifts because he was patrolling the border of our city. Um, I've always seen him work hard. So hard work, persistence, and genuine care for the community we live in, I think. That was mm-hmm. that was a bad rock. David, what are you thinking? So you talked about caring a lot throughout this whole interview, but sure. h- how is that applied in AR? Yeah. So basically, like I said, imagine preventing eight thousand ki- kids uh, getting lead po- from getting lead poisoning. Their lives will never be the same. People know about Flint, Michigan, because it was heavily. Uh, covered by media. But what most people don't know is Detroit actually has a higher rate of lead poisoning than Flint, Michigan ever did. And it doesn't just stop at lead poisoning. One in nine bridges are structurally damaged. In fact, if you read New York Post, America's infrastructure, they're categorizing is at Flint. And what our platform is doing is aggregating all publicly available data and some private data to provide actionable insights to either the regulators or the private sector to take actionable items so these thing, these kind of things can be prevented. Mm-hmm. Um, John, what else are you thinking? Yeah, there? I want to explore some family dynamics. I think growing up in India, it sounded like your sisters did a whole lot of housework. You were spoiled, so there's a very different role for young women in India in those days than there is in the United States. How are you raising your daughter to understand that cultural background yet be you know, kind of a, maybe a different role? I, 
I think uh, that has shifted in the last 30 years. Um, I, I think the India culturally is uh, shifting in a good way as well. So it's all about empowerment now. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to tell my daughter the same thing, uh, empowering her and enabling her and giving her the platform to be successful. And you said, you know, you now play a, or were expected to play a leading role in the family after your parents retired. What are you doing for them now? Uh, my parents, uh, they stay with me. Uh, we're, we live in a joint family. Uh, they continue to help me, continue to remind me of uh, uh, our humble beginnings. And, and what do they think about your success? They are extremely proud. They are extremely proud. In, in fact, I, I just got a award yesterday that I had forgotten to mention to my mom, and she's like, your company got an award? How do I not know this? <laughs> uh, have your parents been to your office? Yes, they have. How, how do you yes, think they, they felt have. walking through the doors of your office? I, I don't think I've ever seen that uh, proud face uh, before, mm -hmm. before that point. Wh why do you think they're proud? Why? Uh, I, I think, just like I said, that they tried to remind me of for a humbling, uh, humble beginning. I think we, we weren't very well off when we were growing up. Uh, that was the one part of the thing. And the second part of the thing for my mom was that even she mentions that, that look, all this volunteering, now you're actually doing something good in life. Well, wait, wait, wait. so your mom sees the connection between the volunteering you did as a kid and your business? That's correct. Th what's the connection there again? Helping communities that we live in, Helping whether it's through volunteer work or whether it's through preventing disasters like Flint, Michigan. And do you see that same connection? Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Hmm. How about that? What, what, is the, uh, what is the website address for this organization known as AR Inspect? arinspect.com Let me have that one more time, Vivek. arinspect.com We've been speaking with Vivek Mehta, co-founder and CEO of AR Inspect here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders, executiveleadersradio.com and we'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. 
Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Oh hell no! It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Balsonbid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsonbid. time. Balsonbid.com. And it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations, and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, Grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business, are truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Venkata Mulpuri, CEO of Curie Learning. Venkata, what is Curie Learning? What are you guys doing? Curie Learning is uh, math, English, enrichment learning centers. Uh, then we deal with uh, K-12 students, uh, mm-hmm. uh, giving many? them coaching uh, mm-hmm. in English and math. 
How, how many uh, students do you help a year? The Curie Learning has four centers of its own. We have mm. about 700, mm. and our franchises have about eight to 900. So you have about 1,500 a year. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, how'd you get? How'd you get? Uh, how'd you get involved with this business? It is uh, after when both our children were uh, mm-hmm. graduating. You, you co-founded this with your wife. And my wife. And where you're from originally? I am originally from uh, India. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Mm-hmm. An older and a younger sister. Correct. And eight to fourteen years old. What was going on with you? What were you up to? I was uh, born and raised in a uh, rural village, and and then uh, everything is. As far as I remember, I never had any toy that I bought from any store. So I learned to create toys on my own, basically with whatever is available in nature. And then playing rural sports with my friends. Uh, that's what I did when I was uh, uh, so 8 to now. you didn't buy ago. toys. You yes. were creating toys and uh, you were playing with your friends. Interesting, interesting. Jim? Sounds pretty resourceful. So when you weren't playing games, what else were you doing? Uh, education was uh, always uh, very important during the early days because uh, my mother made sure that I am focused on the education, and uh, that's what uh, the, is the beginning of uh, success. So your mother wanted to make sure you were focused on that. Were you kind of doing just the bare minimum, or was that a no, no, no? I was the best student in the uh, in the class. Now, why were you the best student? Because I have no choice to do anything else because my father is working in the same school. Okay, so <laughs> you you had a little pressure there as well. Was it also a passion? Yes, I liked it. It's not that I did it because somebody is pressuring me because I enjoyed uh, in the anniversary going on to the dais, picking up the Best Student Award is uh, obviously very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. William? Excuse me, Gabe. In the uh, green room, you mentioned that uh, at age 14, you moved from the rural village to the city. Uh, two questions for you. Number one, how did that, what prompted that? And number two, because how did that make you feel? Yeah, in our village, we have only up to 10th grade. So to continue my education, I have to go to a, a, a town. So, but when I moved to the town, it is like a new world. I mean, until that point, I was like a frog in a well, but I'm open to the new world. So I was exposed to so many things like uh, how the out, outside world looks like, uh, the, liter- the literature, activities and uh, games, uh, so, so many things I was exposed to and uh, created a new world for me. Got it. So what did you learn then that you are applying now and within your organization? The, 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 it is a lifelong thing that I learned from my childhood that is uh, honesty and then uh, helping people. Uh, these are the the two hallmarks of uh, my business even now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are a lot of um, private educational institutions out there, and I think that people look at those and think, wow, they must be pretty profitable. Uh, but you say you've donated $800,000 already? Yes. What drives that? Because we started it, uh, the, the organization, w- without any name first, for about five years. Uh, they used to call it uh, Dr. Uh, Rao's classes to raise money for the nonprofit army. Because with my regular salary, I may be able to donate only a few thousand. We thought that with my teaching experience, uh, by uh, teaching to the kids, we can raise a lot of money and then use that money to educate uh, in the tribal India people who otherwise don't get even primary education. Wonderful. Wow. John? 
So you're growing this company. It started basically with, the, I think you said, like six students. It's now over almost 1,600. You must have had a pretty, uh, pretty robust plan to get that kind of growth. No, no, nothing in uh, Curie Learning. I never planned anything. The growth of Curie Learning is uh, natural, basically, because it happens because with the word of mouth, basically, because I am very uh, sincere in whatever I do. Sincerity, honesty is the hallmark of Curie Learning, and it is the uh, highly regarded in, the, uh, in wherever the Curie Learning Center is uh, that we are very sincere and we are mm -hmm. very duty-bound to the so children you go and the out, parents. So you go out and start new schools and places you select? Yes. I mean, uh, I don't select anything. People you don't select them? Well, who right. does then? Uh, the parents in the local area and then uh, uh, the relatives of the parents in the local area who heard about Curie, they approach us for David, the, the you, you, David, franchise uh, David, you want to help us understand that a little bit further? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the green room, we were talking about your business strategy, and I just want to get this right. Do you have a business plan? I don't have any business plan. Wait, so you, wait, what? You don't have a business plan? I don't. Okay, so so how do you do like site selection for new locations? Usually it is the parents who uh, ask us, why don't you come to our neighborhood to help our kids? So they help me find the location and then uh, uh, then they ask me, they, they bring the lease form and I sign it and then I open my business. So, so you're telling us that your customers bring a lease form to you. True. I'm done. So <laughs> you, uh, so you really believe that the market's the master? Uh, I I believe that if you are sincere, hardworking, and then uh, help people since, uh, with honesty, business will automatically grow. Mm -hmm. Jim, what are you thinking? So it seems like you've come from you know small town village education all the way up, moving all by yourself to a bigger city to do that and now you're have a business that's donating money back to those uh, communities what would your father think of that um, he was very proud of me my father always thought that uh, the serving people is uh, very important that's what he did until his death and he was very proud of me until his death that I was able to do some of the things that he couldn't do uh, in a much bigger scale and are you married yes kids I have two sons. So how are you instilling that in them? I mean, the, the seeing, by, because I learned by uh, watching my father, and my children uh, are learning by watching me. That's mm -hmm. how it is. Gabe, what are you thinking? Um, how is it that, um, what it is, I'm sorry, what is it that uh, you can instill within the youth that you, is your number one goal? I always tell the youth, uh, I am proud to say that, People uh, usually think that the modern generation is no good, but I can tell you that they are very honest. But what is lacking is basically motivation. So I motivate them. I, t I tell them why it is important to be a good human being and to be focused on academics because the academics is the foundation stone for the success. How is it that you exactly motivate them? I, I tell them usually kids believe in the third party, not the parents. I play the third party role and uh, we, you, when you tell them with sincerity, by watching your face and your eyes and your facial uh, expressions, they trust you, basically. That's how uh, it works. So what's the most satisfying aspect of being the CEO of Curie Learning? The satisfying is uh, this year, for example, 149 students we taught got into the local magnet schools. We are the most uh, successful uh, learning center in the entire Northern Virginia. 
and then when people see me they run towards me to say hello doctor how are you doing so unless you made a an impression and they made a difference in their life people don't run towards you wow so uh you're pretty proud in terms of what you're doing you're proud of what you're doing you think business is a good thing don't you i i am very very happy with what i'm doing mm -hmm. and your wife's involved in the business yes she is what she's she's the one who advised me to start the whole thing so and then she takes care of the finances and i take care of the operations your wife advised you to start this business so your wife wanted you to was your wife aware that most businesses fail we never thought about failure first of all because we never expected anything so when you don't expect anything that you do is a success so that is the uh, the main uh, reason for our success because we, we didn't start it with any expectation but it uh, it was growing uh, beyond our expectations how high is up when you're going to stop I, uh, I i'm not going to retire because i am having fun every day why should i stop this uh, uh, so i i am 63 but i'm not going to retire well, why is this fun because you are helping people now both children and the parents uh, so helping people is fun what is the website address of this organization known as uh, curie learning curielearning.com and mm -hmm, yes c u r i e l e a r n i n g.com we've been speaking with venkata malpuri ceo of curie learning here on executive leaders radio John, can you give us a rundown of who else we've had on the air today, please? Our first guest was Jeff Ostenzo, CEO of Ironmark USA. Then we talked to David Simnick, CEO and co-founder of Soapbox. Our third guest was Vivek Mehta, co-founder and CEO of AR Inspect. And we just finished talking with Venkata Mulpuri, CEO of Curie Learning. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, William Tidwell, Cressa, Gabe Muller, Muller Consulting and John Schuhart, Graybeard Coaching, for giving me a hand structure in the questions. He'll be providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We thank you for joining us today. And do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.